The Overtime Hockey Podcast is on the air, and today we're going to be joined by Tim Kolomainen, he from Breakdown Sports USA, and also it's going to be John Cherney. It's Miracle Month, of course, the 40-year anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, and uh, John Cherney is the executive director of the Herb Brooks Foundation. We'll be talking to him about all the great things that are going on, especially as the anniversary is upon us and uh, really exciting stuff going on in St. Paul to celebrate that. Tim, by the way, I think I kind of owe you a little bit of a congratulations. Oh, you do? Yeah. Uh, I'm always willing to accept an award. Well, so I was talking to Tim Layton, and I said, you know, what do I need to do for photographers? Uh, Tim's, of course, with the MSHSL. What do I need to do for photographers for the upcoming tournament? He goes, well, we got that solved, I think, for you. And then he said that they have actually, you are the official photographer for the MSHSL at the state tournaments, and uh, that they're, like, doing a pool thing where you can purchase those uh, images that you're taking uh, online as a service and a value add. That's pretty sweet. Well, there you go, yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I did uh, volleyball for them this fall, and apparently I must have done a good enough job because they came back for more, so... I'm going to enjoy doing it for hockey. Well, when I think of I all... I think I've got girls and boys. When you so. think about all the photog jackals that are there, that's quite the compliment. They they uh, took you, they took the pro, you know? I mean, you've when you think about it, you've come a long way from that engineering degree at Michigan Tech University, right? To uh, I have a really good story about the very first... Well, it's not a good story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I got, a, I got a story about the very first time I ever shot a roll of film way back when I was first learning. You know, I didn't do any schooling at all yeah. for photography. It's all self-taught. The very first role I shot for the newspaper in Buffalo, Minnesota, was at a, a girls' swimming meet. I got back. I went in the dark room. I mean, we're talking ancient times now. I went back in the dark room, completely blank. I, I messed the entire thing up. Yeah, yeah. Like so, I've come that far. Well, and so, so how long into your career? Okay, you went dark room. How long was that until it became digital for you? It was about. Four years or so. I was at the newspaper there in Buffalo for six, and I want to say about two-thirds of the way in, we switched over. We started doing digital. I mean, we're talking really basic digital cameras, little point-and-shoot kind of things. And then uh, just as I left there, we upgraded to the digital SLRs, and then that's where all my money goes, really, just in the camera. You've got got some of the best gear you're going to see there. Well, so I don't mean to get too inside baseball here as we continue on this, but I've always wondered – when you look back to when you first started, when you'd have to go through the negatives in the dark room and that kind of thing versus today, now it's just sort of it seems as though I'm not saying you, but a lot of guys just go, you just rip off, you know, dozens for each look that you take that you want to shoot. Is that did you probably didn't do that as much back in the day because you didn't want to have to rifle through all that. Were you finding that you're trying to get more money shots? Just bang, 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 just like that. Back in the day, yeah, I would, yeah, I'd bring one roll of 36, and I'd shoot 36 pictures at a hockey game and, and hope that I got one that I really liked. Usually I did. You know, even with even now when you're shooting, you know, you shoot a 1,000 pictures at a game if you want. But um, the only thing that does, well, unless you know what you're doing, you generally get 999, you know, pretty crappy pictures that you have to delete and one decent one. I, You know, I, I'll shoot a 1,000 at a game, and I'll probably keep 150 you know, somewhere in that neighborhood, and I'll really like about 20 of them. Um, but what it does let me do is it lets me get the exact picture I want, you know, because you can see right away if you've got what you need. And so the other thing that does, of course, is it keeps me shooting. You know, I shoot, and I'm like, oh, I, that's a good one. I, I can definitely use that. 
oh, but I bet I can do better. I bet I got a yeah. better one coming. So you don't I have, have to saddle. Game, you, know? you, you don't have to saddle, and, yeah. and you can you can get what you're looking for. Granted, you have to sift and wade through more, but you can still get to where you want to go, and it's not going to take you hours to uh, be looking in that. Uh, boy, that stuff stunk in those uh, rooms, That that whatever that stuff was that you used. You know that. Yeah, yeah. That fluid I, don't, I, mean, I don't miss the chemicals. Yeah, exactly. It's like there can't be something very good about that. So we now are going to talk about high school hockey. And uh, so congratulations on that gig. I think it's awesome. And it's a tip of the cap to the work that you've done uh, for years. And you've been uh, a mainstay in all of this and just do killer work and are one of the bright, shiny, uh, smiley faces to see around the press boxes. So uh, that's awesome stuff. So. As we transition into the high school hockey world, before we get into the girls' end of things, I know you've been very busy with a lot of other things, and, and you, your 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 cup overfloweth. But you know, when you look at this boys' season, and when you try to sort things out, it's become very difficult. Have you have you been watching it in those terms? And do you even have a clue of what to expect coming up as we get close to the uh, sections? You know, I think that's the funniest thing about this year. And you hear all, all the experts talking about this or all the – maybe I'm giving everybody too much credit by calling them experts. That's but you hear everybody talking about this saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking shots at anybody in particular. I like everybody. Everybody's my friend. I'm, I'm the, like one of the friendliest people you can meet. Absolutely. But the high school hockey season in particular, is it's just been a jumble. I mean, anytime you think you know what's going to happen, somebody gets beat the very next week, you know, or they get beat twice even. Um, there's been, I mean, at the beginning of the year, everybody was kind of looking at Eden Prairie and Penild one, two in some order. And that has obviously turned out not to be the case, but got knocked out of that spot pretty early in the season. They've had a nice run lately. I mean, they've been, they've been coming on strong, uh, Eden Prairie, they'll look terrific in one game and all of a sudden they can't score the next game. Um, they'll have really good wins and they've had a couple of kind of questionable losses and they kind of got knocked out of that top perch and uh, now Andover has taken that over and their schedule hasn't been as strong lately. And so, you know, they haven't had losses, but I think that also makes people question, Oh, how strong is their hold on number one? Can they be beaten? You know, and then Moorhead made a big run up there. I didn't think they'd be as good as they are this year. That first line for them has been so much better than I anticipated. And that was really the question mark coming into the year. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. I think, you know, I think we say this every year, but I really feel honestly, truly this year section playoffs, we are going to see a, some upsets. We're going to see some surprise teams get into the state tournament this year. Yeah, there, somebody is, and you know we, we can go through that next week because I have my uh, I, I have a really good uh, upset special, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to save that for a week for you. Um, but but the oh. thing the thing that stands out I know you can hardly wait. The thing that stands out to me is you take Eden Prairie and Benilde St. Margaret's. They score off on Tuesday. We had that one on the MNHockey.tv, and Eden Prairie comes in Tim three and three in their last six. Now, they'd, they'd been yeah. kind of lighting it up a little bit. You know, they kind of got after Buffalo. They got after St. Michael Albertville. You know, both good clubs with good players. But, you know, they, they went into Minnetonka and got absolutely worked and didn't look like a state title contender in that game. Now, part of it was, boy, if Minnetonka, you know, Minnetonka has beaten Benel St. Margaret's 3-1, to one, and they beat Eden Prairie 3-1. to one. So, they, you know, at 11-11, you know, you kind of throw the 11 losses out. You look at the 11 wins and say, well, these guys are – when they're dialed in and playing the way they need to play, they're a good team. But still, it's a type of thing where, you know, you look at Eden Prairie and you say, how in the world did they lose that game? That's not a disrespect to Minnetonka. And then come in and absolutely look like there is zero chance that anybody in the Minnesota State High School League is going to have a thing for them as they take on the uh, Benel St. Margaret's Red Knights and just 
buried them six to two. The Red Knights come in at six and zero. Oh. Man, they were scoring like crazy. They took a good St. Michael Albertville team and just crushed them seven to two. And you're saying okay, uh, but you just don't know. And and I, I think a lot of this is matchup driven. I think a lot of it has to do with how big your games are. And and this is a debate topic that I want to bring up to you. Uh, Ken Paul and I covered this on a podcast once, you know, and he said, you know, sometimes I think about, you know, you think back to the days when, when Greg Treble was running the table with Holy Angels at the Academy of Holy Angels in the Minnesota Conference, and they played a few tough games in the in the non-conference schedule, but, man, they were winning and scoring goals and feeling good about themselves and not getting beat up. Does that have more value than playing the tough schedule? I mean, so, like, you, know, you mentioned Andover and who they're playing and how they're playing. You say, well, maybe they're, you know, going to be a little more healthy coming in. I'm not saying they're playing, you know, the little sisters of the poor. But do you think that has a factor? I mean, do you look at it that way, too? That's going to be a good question uh, on this one. You know, does a team like Andover that, that maybe has a little bit of an easier schedule, do they make that run because they're confident, healthy, you know, they're, they're feeling good about themselves. Or does a team that gets beat up a little bit and maybe battle-tested, you know, the old cliche there, do they get into the playoffs and say, hey, we've had tough games. We can take care of this. Um, I'm going to be curious. And actually, this, this leads in a personal note here. I coach my daughter's 12U team, and we start our district tournament this weekend. And honestly, we've had a relatively easy schedule. Our district isn't that strong. And so we've had a lot of blowout games against district teams. We got into a tough tournament a couple weekends back, and we just got worked by some good teams. And so my thought process there was, okay, our schedule has been too easy. We didn't, we weren't ready to, to face a team like that. So I'm leaning that direction right now. I'm leaning towards the teams that have had a tough schedule. You know, the Eden Prairies of the world, the Benilds of the world, um, you know, Moorhead coming down and playing some tough games down in the cities all the time. I'm leaning towards those kind of teams as my favorites right now, just because of, they've had those tough games. Not to say they can't get beat, but I, but I like what the, you know, I just like that tougher schedule. I think it hardens you a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And uh, I, I think what happens in the playoffs is things get faster, things get more intense. And uh, if you get overwhelmed quickly, you're, you're done. You, there's no time to, uh, to recuperate and recover. It, it's either it's, it's go or don't go. So uh, is there anything that surprised you as far as uh, teams? You mentioned Moorhead in the onset that came on as a, a team that surprised you, saying, holy smokes, look at them. You know, what about Rozo? They've been, they've been very good this year, and I think they're in, in the short list as, you know, they, they could be squaring off with uh, Moorhead or St. Michael Albertville in the Section 8. I, I, I think there's been a, a really nice run up in Rozo as well. Oh, yeah, uh, Section 8. I mean, everybody looks at Moorhead as the obvious favorite, and they should be. They actually lost to Rozo once this year down here in Moorhead. Uh, Rozo beat them early in the year, so we know that's cap- they're capable of doing it. And then St. Michael Albertville tied Moorhead. That's the one tie on Moorhead's schedule. So, you know, they're the two and three seeds. Uh, I guess St. Michael's two, uh, Rozo's a three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a given. I mean, it's definitely not a given that, that Moorhead gets out of Section 8 up here. Uh, I want to crow for a minute, too. Do you notice uh, number two in the rankings nowadays is Blake? Do you remember we talked about them in the preseason? And I had them ranked really highly because I expected everybody to come back. And then we talked a little bit about, you know, they lost a the guy early to juniors. And, and the thought was, oh, maybe they won't be quite as good. Well, they are as good. I, I, I should have given them more credit uh, when we talked about them early this year. Well, I, I kind of fall in the same category there. And, you know, again, they, they fall into the deal where, you know, they had a really nice win against Eden Prairie after they were behind and they came behind, from behind. But then I saw Benilde you know, beat them 2-1 to one in a very close game. And, um, you, you know, I have Andover 1, Moorhead 2, and Blake 3. Uh, I had Benilde St. Margaret's 4 and Eden Prairie 6. 
and, and what it goes to show is is there's just no way you can guess this. You can just guess kind of who you think the best teams are this year. You can't go head-to-head. And when they go to those section meetings on Sunday, they're not going to be able to say, well, we beat you. So so let's say – let's just give a hypothetical. Let's say uh, – these aren't real, real results. Let's say Blake beat Edina. They didn't play, but let's say they did. But then Edina can come back and say, well, we're 2-0 and or 2-1 and or 3-0, and whatever it will be against YZ. And then that washes that out. And then Creighton Durham Hall could say, well, we beat Benelde St. Margaret's. And then Benelde St. Margaret's would say, well, we beat Blake, and they beat you. So head-to-head, to me, gets tossed out in some of these sections because it's it's been all over the map in that case. In the end, you have to go with, I think, strength of schedule, uh, and quality wins versus brutal losses. I think that's what it really comes down to. I think you're right, especially in six. I think you're mentioning uh, section six there for a minute. Those teams have all beaten up on each other, and, and you know how, how do you shake that out? You know which one is more which one is more important than the other? How do you rank it ahead of the other one? So yeah, I think you're right. Body of work. Uh, does anybody have a really bad loss in there that might knock them down a spot, a seed? That, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And, and the thing is, is we're going to see some really good, uh, particularly once we hit those section semifinals. Yeah. I'm not going to know how so, to predict some of those games. So I'm feeling there's going to be, you know, usually you look to the section playoffs. You go, okay, the 4-5 looks like this is going to be quite a battle. That's one I'm going to go to. I think there'll be a lot of good 4-5 matchups. There could be a couple decent 3-6s as well. Uh, but when you get into those semifinals of the final four, it's going to be unbelievable. You look at Prior Lake right now and how they're playing. And, uh, you know, I watched Eden Prairie on Tuesday night look virtually unbeatable. Okay, fine. They were that day. But what's going to happen when we move forward a week or two and, and how does that shake down? So uh, what we do know is that whoever goes to St. Paul for the state tournament on the boys' end of things is going to be eight teams that will probably fairly have a chance to say, we have every right to think we can win this thing. We're very well matched, and anything can go. Every one of them is going to have, you know, five, six, seven losses too. You know, it's, yep. you're, you're not getting a team in this year that's uh, 28 and one and on a roll. This could be, this could be a challenge. Well, you know, hey, I, I got to ask you though, who do you have in that number five spot? Is that Prior Lake that you've got fifth in your ranking? I believe so. Yeah, they, they, well, they were out for uh, for the week and they they came back in at five. Yes, okay. because they beat Eden Prairie and I went head to head there and. Uh, they also beat Minnetonka, and uh, Eden Prairie lost to Minnetonka. So, you know, I think it's pretty fair to say that Prior Lake gets the one seed out of their section in the uh, two double A, and Eden Prairie will have the two, and uh, you know, Chaska maybe the probably the three. I mean, that's a that's a good looking section. Tonka the four, Holy Family Catholic the five. I'm telling you, it's going to be something else. I'm I'm just guessing from here, prognosticating. Who knows? So, uh, it, it's going to be. Um, an interesting Sunday to say the least. There will be a lot of banter flying around for sure. But you know, in the end, you got to play the games. It doesn't matter who you match up against. Just go out and win your games, and uh, don't worry about your matchups. Because I think you can go batty as a coaching staff, worrying about, oh no, who do we get now? If we win this game, then we get to just win your game. And I, I know that's easier said than done, but I think that's a big, big component here. So one, one question that I'm asked a lot, Tim, and, and I'd be curious to get your opinion being around this game. I can't recall a time where there was never really one clear-cut runaway. You know, usually there's been one, two, three, or four teams that are clear-cut runaways where everybody else is chasing them. 
I can't remember in the past 20 to 25 years that era. Can you? Where can, we haven't had a team like yeah, that? Can, can you remember in the past 25 to 30 years where we've had, you know, usually there's four or five teams you can say they are cut above the rest. Man, are they loaded. Man, are they good. And then the rest are just sort of hanging on to try to get in there and they get two and out, you know, whatever at the tournament. But for this year, I can't recall a year like this where there are potentially 15 to 20 teams all with a, a, a potential shot. I, I can't. I can't either. And I think that's part of the reason that everybody, everybody, it kind of manifests itself. You know, everybody expected Eden Prairie to kind of be that team, especially after Benil stumbled early. And they thought, okay, so Eden Prairie, that's the team. We're going to latch all of our, our favorites, you know, onto, onto Eden Prairie. We'll make them the favorite. They'll, they'll obviously, they'll live up to it because look at how talented they are. And I think everybody's still kind of in that mindset of, look, look, they're, they're still going to be all right. They're still going to be the favorites. Um, and I think that's part of it is because we're so used to having a couple of obvious favorites that when we don't, we still try to make one. And I think that's what's going on right now. Well, I, I fall into that too. Like if you ask me right now, I'd say Eden Prairie is going to win the state title just because when they look good, they look as good as anybody. Uh, they look better than anybody when they are playing their best. So I still look at it and think, yeah, this is the year Eden Prairie's got it. But we've seen, I mean, they could get knocked out in the section playoffs. They're not even going to be the number one seed. So, you know, they're not the favorite to even get to the state tournament. How can we name them the, uh, the favorite to win it? Right. Well, and, and you know, you know, where, where, where we get into, into trouble is, uh, where, where, where we want to know and we want to predict. And I think high school hockey fans get into that. And I think sometimes when you do that, that, that creates excitement because you start, you know, thinking these teams are something they aren't, or they're more than they are. They're more than they're not. And then when, 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 when there's uh, a stumble, it's like, well, what just happened here? You know? So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think in the end, this is just going to be a lot of fun to, uh, to watch itself shake down. And, um, I, I'm ready to go, Tim. I, I'm excited. So one of the things I want to do, though, is tradition. Uh, is to um, tradition. I was thinking well, the show is presented by Tradition Companies. You can find them at traditionco.com. All of your home financing needs are found under one roof there. That's traditionco.com. Uh, you, Tim, the girls You tournament. nailed that segue. That was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I nailed it, but I made it uh, seamless. Uh, when you when you When you look at the girls – in the section one uh, a, and we work through all these sections. A lot of the, the finals are occurring right now. You've got an interesting one with Rochester Lord taking on um, the uh, uh, Faribault Falcons. They played earlier in the year and Lord won by a score of four to nothing. And uh, you know, I know their faithful were all over me like a cheap suit for uh, ranking Faribault ahead of them because it was about the losses that occurred after then, you know, why I had to put Faribault up, but you know, you got a one-two matchup. You've already lost to the team once, four nothing, kind of soundly. If you're Faribault, how do you respond to that? You got to get Olivia Williamson involved. I mean, you got shut out the first time around, and she's their she's their big scorer. She's heading to Brown. She's got 39 goals this year. I mean, if uh, and I'm guessing that's what happened is Lord just shut her down. And Faribault is not nearly as deep a team as uh, Rochester Lord, and so. You know uh, they're going to have to find a way to to uh, to kind of open up space for her, um, or what you're going to have to get is some of those other kids to step up and and uh, you know get some production from somewhere else besides her. You can't be a one-person team when you get into the playoffs, especially when you get into the section final. 
when they play tonight at the Four Seasons in uh, uh, Rochester, that's for the section final. You move on to the section two-way. Number one seed, Mound, West Tonka, Watertown, Mayor, Southwest Christian, ABCDEFG will be taking on Hutchinson, the one and two seed. 7.30 tonight at Gus Davis uh, High School. You know, Hutch has been a team that I have had my eye on all year. They've been, They've had some pretty nice signature wins this year. Yeah, they absolutely have. Uh, and they actually played uh, the Mound West Tonka co-op. I'm just going to leave it with that. They played them twice this year and <laughs> lost by a goal each time. Exactly. So they're, they're right in there. I mean, can they get over that hump? I don't know if we want to talk about cliches. I, I hate cliches usually, but um, beating three, a good three team times? three times in one year. I mean, that's one of them. And that's what Mound West Tonka is going to have to do to beat Hutchinson in the, in the section finals, beat him for a third time. Do, do you, I expect a really close game. If you were to pick one, who do you pick there? I'm going to go with uh, Mount West Tonka on that one. They were the, you know, they represented in the state tournament last year. They had a really nice run while they were down there. And I just think that returning experience for them, whereas, you know, these kids from Hutchinson, uh, still a very good team. They weren't in the state tournament last year. They haven't made one of these runs like that. And I, I think that's going to make a difference. I know we've talked about that before. That's been one of our other topics on the show is, you know, does that experience make a difference? And I think we came to a conclusion that, yeah, it did. And I think that's going to happen again. Moving on to the section three, a the Laverne Cardinals defeated Mankato East Loyola four to three. Then they went on to take on Mankato West, and uh, Mankato West got to the section final by a five to nothing win over the Fairmont Cardinals. How about that, the seven seed upsetting Marshall, but it was Laverne being a cut above the rest there as they win by a score of four to one and cruise on to represent Section 3 in the Class A. No surprise really there, Tim. No, not really. I mean, if you look at their stats, I was just talking to about a one-person team, and if you look at the stats, you might think uh, that super freshman of theirs, uh, Cameron Van Batavia, I think she's got like 44 goals or something crazy like that. You might think of her as a one-person team. I've actually seen them play, uh, and that's not true. I mean, there's four other girls on that team that have double-digit goals, uh, it's you know she does the bulk of the scoring, but it is more balanced once you get past her. If you shut her down, you're still you know you, there's still plenty of other uh, talent on that team that, that can make a difference. And it's gonna be fun to see Laverne on the girls' side in the state tournament. We uh, we got to watch the boys a few years ago. Let's see what the girls can do. Led by Jackson Nelson and company, of course. And they had uh, it was funny watching that uh, fun actually watching that boys' team for Laverne back in the day. First year they kind of got run. They had some talent and they kind of kept coming back and. Uh, there they were pushing overtime games, maybe winning a first-round game and moving on and you know, helping uh, put their program on the map, and it's carried over for the girls' side. So congratulations to them with their uh, state tournament berth. Now in the Section 4A, this has been uh, two teams that are in the final tonight at 7.30 at the uh, Doug Woog Arena. It's South St. Paul uh, taking on St. Paul United, the 1-3 and three seed. Both of them had to survive tough one-goal games to get there. South St. Paul, 2-1 winners over Matamidi, and uh, St. Paul United, 3-1 winners over uh, Simley. Similarly, a really good hockey team, too, as well. But uh, United and South St. Paul. South St. Paul has really had a, a very solid season, and they've been in my top ten almost the entire year. Yeah, they're they're the favorite. I mean, they're, they've won 18 games. Uh, St. Paul United, uh, with these two playoff wins, they're right at 500 now. They're 13-13-1. So uh, just record-wise, you'd expect South St. Paul to be the favorite. And, and The only thing about this section is uh, St. Paul United – while being a lower seed several of the past couple of years, 
is actually, I, I want to say they're like a three-time defending section champion there. They've had South St. Paul's number in this section, even though uh, South St. Paul has been the better team several years. Uh, St. Paul United has, has made it out of that section. And so I, while I would expect South St. Paul to win, I'm, I'm not going to call it a sure thing. Um, they played once this year right before Christmas, and it was a 3-3 tie. So, I mean, you look at that right there and you think, yeah, anybody's game. I mean, we. the only thing I – the reason I would pick South St. Paul in, in the rematch is – and I, I keep going back to this, but they have a lot more balanced scoring. They get scoring from uh, their defensemen. Uh, um, McKenna Deering is a, is a terrific player, Lily Ramirez. Um, and so they get scoring across the board. It's not just from the first line. It's not just from one person. It's it's a lot more balanced, and I I just like that. Uh, maybe maybe that's me. Uh, you know, as the uh, third line wing that I always used to be growing up. You know, the grinder. Right the grinder. I'm the grinder. Yeah, I like so, the grinder team. So look at you identifying. That's phenomenal. Uh, moving on over into the section five uh, A, and this this section absolutely loaded. You know, I mean. We have Breck, who, who's been really pretty much at the top spot with, with me. War Road's obviously, I think, on a collision course with them. We'll get into them a little bit later. But uh, you've got uh, Breck winners 8, 11 to nothing uh, in their opener, 9-1 to one against uh, Minneapolis. And then they finish off a very good Orono team, 6-2. to two. Uh, They outscore their opponents by a stunning margin of 26-3. to three. And in there are top-ranked teams in my top ten: Orono, Chisago Lakes, and Breck. Um, I, I know we you talk think- we talk about this jump to Class Double A, and you know we've had Hermantown in those discussions forever in a day. Uh, you, you know, and then Breck can turn back to you and say, "Well, we played Edina twice and lost, but they were in both of those games." So, I mean, at what level are they just too good for this competition? Fair question. <laughs> Uh, I think you're going to see, well, in short, you're going to see a Breck World state championship game for what, the third year in a row now? The third, collision course, I, absolutely. I lost track. Yeah. And is that good? You know, is, that, is it good to have two dominant teams that play every year in that championship? Or is it, you well, know, I, I mean, you I've know, heard both. Let's, let's, I used to cover let's... women's basketball. Yeah. Oh, you want me to talk women's basketball? Yeah. Sorry, I used to cover no, women's no. basketball. So uh, I was out in Connecticut. Yes, with Gino. And co- yeah, covering UConn with Gino. And Gino used to tell, he, he repeated this, uh, he hear it all the time. UConn is bad for women's basketball because they win all the time and it, and it drains all interest from the sport. He would argue back saying, no, that's not what it's, what, what it's doing is we are drawing attention because we're winning this much and we shouldn't have to lower our game in order for the other teams to catch up they should be able to raise their game to our level. Now it's a little bit different in high school because you get what you get. You know, you, you're drawing from your hometown, especially if you're a smaller school um, in class A, you're drawing from your hometown. There's nothing you can really do. You can try to coach those kids up that you have. Um, so then you look at a Breck or a world that's so many levels above what you're playing at. Yeah, sure. You can try to raise yourself to that level, but there's a limit to how far you can do that. So is it good that they're there? Should they move up? I I don't I don't have a good answer. So in a that. thirty thousand foot view, what he was saying, what Gino was saying, was absolutely correct. It, you know, it's on you to get better and to meet us and join us at the top of the mix for sure. Uh, but it goes a little bit of apples and oranges here when you get to the local hometown mix, and then when you bring in the private schools because people can come from all over. But then I'll say that. Uh, Les Larson had a, a really good point to me when I did a story on him for one of your books, and 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 the key component was he goes, because it costs a lot of money to go here, 
And it's not like you can just find a, a families that have that kind of money to go here and then walk around and say, oh, you're a hockey player too. So so it's not like they have an unlimited uh, uh, cupboard to go get players. So there's a little bit of both there. But what I do say is that, you know, I think I think when you get to like a private school, I think the biggest issue with them is, yeah, we're good right now, but this could end any day and uh, kids could quit coming here. And then what do we do? Do we go back? You know, uh, it, it's a it's a fair question. I, I, I'm not sure how to answer that. So uh, but I think this I think back to the dynasties. Everybody loves to hate the Yankees, don't they? Right. Yeah. Every, yeah. or, or the yeah, Red Sox. That's, that's another good example. Or now yeah. the Houston Astros with the garbage cans and all of that. Uh, or, the, or, or the New York Islanders when they were winning four straight cups or the Montreal Canadiens when they had the first French player they could pick and then the next first-round pick, which was totally cheap. But they won a ton of cups that way. Um, and then, you know, you go on and on and on like that. So people love to see the winners fall. And I think people do like dynasties because we love to build them up to tear them down. So um, I think it's actually good because it creates some energy. And I think back to those games, Tim, in the in the middle of the 2005 to 2010 when St. Thomas Academy, Breck, and Hermantown were kind of a, a little bit of a trifecta. Maybe throw Matamidi in there going after it. And um, we saw the attendances rise and rise because the interest levels were becoming higher and higher. And I think that's fueled the Class A state tournament attendance today. It certainly has drawn attention. Yeah, it did at that time too. You know, even on the girls' side, just uh, as a reference point, Blake, you know, obviously back when they were still in Class A and everybody was clamoring for them to move up because they were just too good for the rest of Class A. Uh, they did, and they haven't been back to the state tournament since. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, I guess. Well, you know, yeah, and they lost and, the, and the semifinal. Side, the, a really good hockey team for the girls. They lost the semifinal, and then you can take my theory, as you're going to say, uh, with boys, with Breck, who were, you know, they're still Class A, but, you know, they, 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 they're they not rolling out the talent they used to have. Yeah, and if they had moved up to double A, you know, what, what position would they be in now, right? Duluth Marshall did make the move up to double A, and, and uh, you know, obviously they don't have as much talent now as they did a couple of years ago, and, and they're kind of taking it on the chin. So, I mean, I know nobody feels sorry for those programs if they do that. You know, if a St. Thomas Academy and the boys' side moves up or Blake on the girls' moves up and they get beat all the time, I don't think anybody's feeling sorry for them. But it just shows it's yep. not, you know, like you said, it's 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 not a sure thing. You move up, you're not going to continue to keep winning potentially. It's you not as easy as you think is, is what I'm getting to. Yeah, and it's exactly. easy it's easy to sit here and say, they win, they win, they win, they got to go. I, I do applaud those that say, hey, we're going to move up. And, you know, I know as a fact at Southwest Christian Richfield and with the boys hockey team that Eric Westrom, not tomorrow, not next year or the year after, but at, at some point here, he wants to see his team jump to Class 2A. Uh, he does, and he's stated that as a goal. And, you know, Ken Pauley said in his uh, question-answer interview with Lee Smith that, you know, Class A hockey afforded his uh, school the opportunity to grow and build its program. And then really, you know, whether people want to like it or not, love it or hate it, he said for Class A hockey, uh, it got us to Class 2A hockey. And I just do think it's, it's better for the game. Let's move on now to the Section 6 uh, in the girls' the uh, playoffs there. Wilmer will be taking on Ricori Again, Wilmer, another team that's been in and out of my top 10 or in and around it. Uh, they get there with a bye, and then they defeat Northern Lakes in a tough one by a score of 5-4. Uh, they play tonight at 7 o'clock in Alexandria against Ricori who uh, knocked off number two seed, Fergus, Ricori the three seed, uh, and that should be a good one too. But, you know, Wilmer uh, looks like they're pretty battle-tested and ready to go to the state tournament. That would be my call. 
Yeah, I, I would go with that. I'm going to I'm gonna go back to five just for one little brief second. I want to give a shout-out to Olivia Mobley from Breck. Uh, 48 goals, I think 40, 49 now after after that state or after that section championship. Uh, I knew she was good, but this senior season is, is one of the best in, <laughs> that we've seen in, in girls' hockey in a while. She is, she is terrific. Um, all right, now, so Wilmer. I mean, does Olivia Mobley Wilmer's just – let me just go there for a second. Does she, does she just give you, like, yeah. no – there's just no discussion for Ms. Hockey, right? I mean, it's just handed over. I mean, don't you think? I mean, how do you not? Yeah, with the year she's had, I, the, only, the only detraction you should have or that anybody would give right now that I can think of is, oh, it's Class A. But you know what the schedule that Breck plays on the girls' side. Uh, they a, play a tough know, she, She's earned every point she yeah. has. No question. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, she's a clear favorite in my mind. Unless, you know, it's tough. You're, you're judging. I know we put uh, um, uh, from Minnetonka, boy, why am I drawing a blank? I can't. Help, help me out. The defenseman from Minnetonka, uh, Nicholson. Uh, um, Maggie. put her on the cover of the book this year. Maggie Nicholson. Maggie, yeah, there you yep. go. And, uh, um you're judging defensemen to forwards like Mobley's point totals are so good. They're hard to ignore what she's done for that Breck team. And then you think Minnetonka, very stingy defensively, you know, Nicholson doesn't have a lot of points because that's not her game. So you're judging a defenseman versus a forward. And it's a really tough call there. You know, obviously Nicholson, terrific player, you know, plays for her country, you know, does the team USA stuff. So she's got that going for her too. That's my call. It's going to be one of those two. One of those two. Like, that's a fair, that's absolutely fair assessment. You want to say something about Wilmer before we move on to an incredible Section 7A final? Yeah, really quick on Wilmer. Huge, talent, talented, I should not huge. They're not big. But a very talented top line on there. Uh, Bailey Olson, uh, Maya Monson, Madison Garberding, 93 combined goals for those three on the year. Uh, all three of them have scored between 25 and 38. Uh, they're going to be tough to stop for, for River Lakes in that section final. How about this? Klokasko Carlton comes up with a 3-2 win over Proctor Hermantown Mirage. Araya Kaminsky uh, comes up with 33 saves in that game. Uh, they had a 3-1 lead going in late into the third period. Uh, Braylon Sathers, uh, check that. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong line there. Uh, they had a goal late for Proctor Hermantown late in the third period uh, to cut it to 3-2 to make the, the finish of that game dicey. But uh, Klokasko Carlton uh, headed off to the state tournament. Again, they and Proctor Hermantown were in and out of my top ten. Two really good hockey teams there. Yeah, they uh, interesting. They split during the year. Um, Cloquet's on just a massive roll. They lost two of their first three games this year, and obviously now they've won what is that? Twenty three out of the last twenty four. The only loss they had in that stretch was uh, end of January. They they got actually Proctor Hermantown ran them six to one in a game, which was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, they got their revenge. They took the took the rubber match, as, as you could call it. A um, couple of really talented multi-sport kids lead the way for Cloquet. Uh, Taylor Nelson, who's going to play hockey at Bemidji State next year, has got 44 goals. And then uh, Kiana Bender, uh, you remember her brother playing, starring for Cloquet Absolutely. a couple of years back. Uh, she, 32 goals, she's going to play softball at UMD. Um, multi-sport. Multi-sport kids, talented. Yeah, talented in, in, in all the sports they do. It's It'll be fun to see the Lumberjacks back at State. And War Road then will be taking on Thief River Falls to round out the Class 8, uh, section, section 8 in the Class A. War Road just crushed Crookston uh, 12 to nothing, and Thief River Falls, the number 3 seed, came up with the 5-3 to three win. And, you know, I don't want to say it too harshly, but pulls the short straw <laughs> to be taking on the War Road yeah. Warriors. Uh, no doubt. They played twice this year. War Road won 7-1 to one and 7-2, to two and... 
I, I don't know how we change that. I don't, I don't know how Cedar Falls comes out ahead on this one. I mean, they're a good team, but we're talking War Road. Uh, that's, they're as good as anybody in Class A, along with Breck. I mean, I, like I said, I see a collision course again in that state championship game. You know, we, maybe we shortchanged uh, Hannah Corneliuson for War Road when we were doing the Ms. Hockey Talk. Yeah, we did. She's got 52 goals. Yeah, she's headed to Merrimack. She's kind of the, the leader of that team. Um, so you, you can throw her into that mix. She'll be one of the finalists for that Ms. Hockey, no doubt about it. How about those Northfield Raiders in the class uh, uh, section 1AA uh, in the final as they knock out uh, Lakeville South by a score of 2-1 to one on the 8th of February? And they'll be taking on as the number four seed, the number two seed, Farmington Tigers. Uh, that's that's a team, Northfield, that, again, I've had on my cusp in and out of my top ten. I probably get – I got mocked for it, but I don't know. I like that team, and here they are on, on the on, – on the cusp of coming in as a four seed to the state high school hockey tournament, possible. Yeah, and that's not something you see as often on the girls' side. You tend to see more of the higher seeds get through into the state tournament. So anytime you get a lower seed coming into that section final, it, it perks up the radar a little bit. You kind of you kind of tune in on that one. Um, like most of the teams in the section finals, those two did play during the year. They, I actually I was at that game, believe it or not, uh, way back in December uh, over the holidays. Uh, down in Farmington at the holiday tournament down there. Farmington beat Northfield 4-2, to two, uh, and it was a close game, as the score would indicate. Um, more of a defensive game, uh, despite there being six goals, it felt like uh, offensive chances were kind of few and far between, and so I think what you're going to see is a real tight, low scoring. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 2-1 to one kind of game in this section final. A tight checker for sure. And, then... and actually, Go ahead. I, I was going to add one thing, and the, the other reason, too, that Northfield may – have uh, more than a puncher's chance is that uh, Claire Enright, who's the leading scorer for Farmington, uh, has been bothered with a, she's got a torn labrum in her hip. And so she's been kind of in and out of the lineup and hurting. And I don't know if she even played in, in the section game so far. So, you know, that, that hurts Farmington as well, but, you know, credit to them. They, they made it through, um, kind of took care of business. I mean, 11, nothing and eight to three in their first two section games. So they haven't needed her yet, but it could come back at some point to bite them. In the Class uh, uh, AA Section 2, it was Eden Prairie with a 3-1 win over uh, Holy Family Catholic, and then Minnetonka with a 2-1 to win, a nail-biter against Shakopee for them to each advance to the uh, Section Final. A Valentine's Day special as uh, they'll be squaring off tomorrow night uh, at Braemar Arena, 7 p.m. will be your game time there. But, you know, these two teams are no uh, strangers to each other having played in the uh, regular season as well in the late conference a couple of times. And, you know, they're both very deep. They've got high-end players. Tonka won the first meeting against Eden Prairie, that one by a score of uh, four to nothing. And then their second game was a 4-3 win. So it comes back to your old cliche, Tim. Is it possible? Actually, uh, it is actually they played. A, my bad, they played the a third, third time. time yeah, and that Eden Prairie now yeah, is yeah, two. So they're really so, familiar. Yeah, they're very familiar. Eden Prairie two one winners at Pagel Activity Center. I forgot that they had that tournament game. One of those was a tournament game. So they will uh, be renewing acquaintances now for the fourth time. And and w- what would you uh, like to predict there? What do you, what do you feel about that one? <laughs> you put me on the spot on that. Yeah, one, I'm right? not touching it. I've been picking. I've been picking Minnetonka. You know the interesting thing about this one. Minnetonka is the one seed, Eden Prairie is the two. But if you go by the, uh, the Let's Play Hockey State rankings, EP is third in the state, Tonka is fifth. So, you know, you just juggle those. I guess it just goes to show how close everybody expects us to be. I've been on 
Minnetonka's bandwagon all year, so I'm not going to jump off yet. I'm 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 going to pick them in this one. Um, both teams have a Miss Hockey finalist. We mentioned uh, Maggie Nicholson already for Minnetonka, but uh, Sydney Langseth for Eden Prairie is their leading goal scorer. She's got 32 goals. She's a Miss Hockey finalist. Uh, you know, headed to uh, Mankato after after this year. Should be great. I, that's a game I wish I could go to, but I'm going to be coaching in a game myself that night. Well, what do you date got? night? Uh, date night at the arena, apparently. Right. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's almost blasphemy, isn't it? Uh, um, it's 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 almost <laughs> it's too funny. So uh, when we move, we move over to the section three, uh, we have uh, Burnsville uh, winners over Egan by a score of three to one. It was the three and four seeds going at it, and in that one knocked out was Apple Valley, and you know they were a team that was uh, had the big record. They've got some nice players over there, but. In the end, it was uh, uh, Apple Valley that fell by a score of four to two to Egan, who then subsequently lost to Burnsville uh, by a score of three to one. Off to the state tournament goes Burnsville. Yeah, first time in a while for them too. That uh, I was expecting that game to go to overtime because they played twice during the year and they were both games two to two and one to one uh, between Burnsville and Egan. And uh, as I understand it. That, that section final was tied with about three minutes to go, maybe a little over three minutes to go before uh, Burnsville scored a couple late. They got an empty netter, uh, both shorthanded. Uh, no, not the empty netter, but the, the one with three minutes to go as a shorty. Um, I'm a little bit sad because my brother's an assistant or associate head coach for Egan. So, yeah. that, you know. He had a personal family Kudos connection. to Burnsville. I mean, I, I'm going to enjoy seeing them, but yeah. It, that one hurts a little bit on my end, personally. Yeah, you had the family connection there. Uh, so now you move over to – oh, by the way, you know, in, in quite some time, you think back to Burnsville, way back in the late 90s, you know, when when, when the girls' high school hockey brand was, was uh, starting to get its traction and its footing under itself, and, and Burnsville was among the best with Coach Osiki and how good they were. And uh, it's kind of nice to see uh, a return to glory for that program to uh, be able to get to the state tournament. Uh, good for them, and congratulations. Now, when you move on to the Section 4 AA, Hill-Murray and Stillwater, man, I think, you know, Stillwater got the two. I like that team. I, I think Stillwater could uh, break through in that hockey game. It's possible. They'll have to reverse the score. They played once way back in the season opener, way back in the 9th of November, and uh, Hill-Murray won 6-1. to one. You know, obviously, both teams are quite a bit different. That's where I'm at with then. it. Yeah, so you're going, you're going that route, that the Ponies have – They've got that uh, – they've built themselves up since that moment. I mean, they they got to feel good. I mean, they, you know, they won 21 games. They've got a really uh, – I'm going to go back to that balanced scoring, but they've got, what, five girls that have 15 to 23 goals roughly. Um, you know, so you're not just stopping one person. You know, you're not – it's not like an Olivia Mobley. Well, that let's not go there because Breck has plenty of talent. But it's not like you're looking out, out trying to stop one kid, you know. Stillwater solid across the board on that one. Um, got a very good goalie. Uh, uh, Sophie Sophie Kronk has actually started both of their playoff games. She kind of split time during the year, but looks like they've kind of settled on her as the playoff goalie, and she's responded. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would pick Hill Murray, but you never I know. trust your judgment. You're a hockey you, guy. You, you never yeah. know. I mean, I've just been watching that. I saw it Stillwater team at the. Uh, Walzer tournament in uh, Edina, and I thought they looked very, very good. And uh, I don't know. I just think uh, they might have something, but you never know. I mean, it, the 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 state the section title state tournament berth does indeed go through Hill Murray on that one. Uh, then I have uh, one more. Well, go ahead. So I was going to cut in about Stillwater real quick. That is a program on the rise. Even if they don't get to state this year, they're going to in the near future. 
their youth program is uh, superstars. Well, I mean, I, they've got a really, really like Andover, Andover and Stillwater and Edina have, I think, three of the best girls youth programs in the state. Um, one of those graduates is actually playing for Stillwater. One of their leading scorers is an eighth grader, uh, Josie St. Martin. You're going to see some of her teammates from those youth groups come up and play on that team in the next couple of years, and they're going to be very good. Well, and I can also say that the, the boys' end of things are, are very healthy in Stillwater, too, and they've got a board that does a really good job, and they've got great perspective and, and know what they're doing there. So watch out for that program in the coming years as they're starting to build. It, it looks good. In the Section 5 AA, I've kind of got a uh, matchup here that I have on the uh, boys' end of things with Maple Grove mm-hmm. taking on Blaine, the one and two seed. I, I you know, I it's that's to me that's a pick 'em. But you know, Maple Grove has been real steady all year long. Yeah, and they won. Uh, they met on January seventh, and Maple Grove won four to one at home. Um, this one's not at home, obviously. It's in Roseville at, at the uh, at the Palace, the Ice Arena in Roseville. The Palace. I'm familiar with that area. So I, Absolutely, yeah, I can call it that. That's beautiful. Um, so yeah, I mean that's why Maple Grove gets the one over Blaine. Um, but again, it's, you know, it's, it's a toss up. I, I, I like, uh, I've seen Maple Grove play this year and I like some of their top end talent. They're, they're, they're junior laden, you know, their best players are juniors. Um, Lauren Stensley and uh, Tristana uh, Tater, 22, 24 goals for each of them. Uh, both juniors are, they're starting goalie as a junior. You know, she's got some really nice numbers. And so, I like to think of when you get a class like that, a really solid class of kids all within one grade that they tend to be a lot more close knit. You know, those girls played growing up all together. It's not like you're throwing a senior with a ninth grader and that kind of stuff where they never played together. I just think that that, that familiarity and having played together before for years, that's something that really helps out a team like Maple Grove. Uh, Blaine's got it too. I mean, their best players are seniors. So maybe that, that extra year of experience. You know, we say about the uh, seniors, you win with seniors and uh, you lose, yeah. you lose with, you, you win with seniors. You, you just do. Moving on to the six double A, I mean, it's Edina. I mean, they're <laughs> taking on Wyzetta. Wyzetta's a pretty good hockey team, and uh, I've seen those two teams play, but I just, Edina's depth and strength up front is just too good as they hammered a pretty good Benilde St. Margaret's team by a score of six to one in their semifinal round uh, matchup yesterday and another valentine's day special uh as edina takes on wyzetta at parade ice garden at 7 p.m and you know wyzetta run by uh, taylor williamson who's done a nice job in her first season behind the bench as uh, she's guided her club into a section final got to give them credit but i think there's just going to be too much for edina i mean you know when you look at emma connor and uh hannah chorsky they're both they, they look so similar. They both look like they're over six feet six. They're, they're big players who can move with hands and are just very difficult to defense, and they're problematic for sure. Just that reach that they have. I mean, how, how do you combat that? They, you know, just that frame, they can, they can get to pucks that you, uh, you know, when you're five foot six, you just, you're just struggling to get to it. Um, and the one thing we, we mentioned on the boys' side, there's no clear favorite. I think once Blake got beat, by Wyzetta in that semifinal, which is a great win for Wyzetta. I don't know. I don't know if they have enough to follow it up by beating Edina, but that sets up Edina and Andover as kind of two of the clear favorites uh, in in Double A girls. We'll talk about Andover in a minute, I'm sure. I, I want to mention one thing too. There were two when I was looking at stats for the teams that were remaining. There were two things on the goaltending side that really stood out to me, and one of them was for Edina. Uh, uh, Uma Cornea from uh, you know she led Breck to a couple of state championships. She's an Edina kid. But she was at Breck for the last couple of years. Now she's back with her uh, with her school as a freshman back in Edina. 
Uh, her numbers this year are just ridiculous. Her save percentage, 97. 97%. I, I've never seen one that high for a full-season goaltender. Uh, nine shutouts for her. So that was one of the numbers. And the other one we're going to get to in a minute when we talk about 7AA, the other goaltending number that stuck out to me. But, but yeah, she. I mean, even if you get past that defense, Edina doesn't give up many shots as is. But when you're saving him at a, what few you see at a 97% rate, yeah, you're you're <laughs> – well, it's going to be I mean, very the, difficult you know, to get it's, enough goals. It's, it's, it's really in, in, intense when you look at Uma as a, a ninth grader and when she plays as strong as she does in the goal mouth area and, and on top of the crease and her rebound control. And, uh, you know, I mean, she she's as good of a goalie as I've seen in, in girls' high school hockey this year. I mean, I know there's plenty that could argue they're right there with her, but, I mean, this is a freshman who's – state tournament battle tested for the previous two years she knows what she's doing and um she definitely uh looks like she's taking it very seriously and it's it's not just her that's doing the job though i mean i think defensively they just play as a group so well in their own zone and her numbers are are indicative of her play and her team's play and you know they lost andover we're going to segue into that the section seven double a is uh, having their final game tonight at Fogarty Arena at 7 p.m. And Andover's taking on a very good Forest Lake team. Forest Lake beats North Wright County 3-2. to two. And you know what? The uh, Riverhawks, a nice hockey club, but not quite enough for Forest Lake. And then for Andover, they hammer Elk River Zimmerman 10-0, and they open the tournament with a 13-0 win over Princeton Big Lake Yawn as they move on into the state uh, section final. Uh, hoping to clash with Edina. You know, these two teams have been, you know, there's two losses on the campaign for Andover, one for Edina, the opener of the season. And it was a one to nothing uh, win for Andover. Andover plays a very heavy game. And, and, and they are not afraid to get on your hands and rub you and, and, and create problems. And uh, that's how they ended up scoring their goal against Edina. It was the difference in the game. The goaltending was great on both ends. And you know, I, I, I think for me as a hockey purist, if those two teams will be the one-two seed in the uh, the, the state tournament and uh, they'll square off in the final, if it's all possible, that would be that would be one for the ages, no question. Yeah, yeah. In contrast to the boys' side, I mean, unless Forest Lake pulls off an upset, they, which they're capable of doing, we're going to get a real one-two favored seed in both single and double A for girls hockey. Like you said, is Edina Andover on the double A side and and Breck Warren on the, on the A side. I think everybody's anticipating that. And while I, I think it's going to be good, I think it's going to be good for the girls tournament because the anticipation that you're going to get for those state championship games, assuming they happen that way is, I think you're going to get a very good viewership for, for those two games. I think people are going to be interested to see, are these teams really that good? I know I'll be in my, up. in my mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't yeah, wait this is, I, before I forget. This game here, this Andover Forest Lake game, features two of the finalists for the Let's Play Hockey Senior Goalie Award. Uh, Amanda Pelkey from Andover, and she's got a, a 1.08 goals against and eight shutouts. And then uh, uh, Alan Gaynor from uh, Forest Lake, uh, 1.48 goals against. But here's the other number that popped out to me. So Forest Lake is 21 and six. She has 15 shutouts. That's in those, insane. In those 27 games, yeah. <laughs> it's just – like, That's crazy. That's how insane. How did you go to yeah. a game where no, you're just not going to score? Good luck. You know, uh, you yeah. got you got to work it. Now, when we go into the the, uh, the Section 8 AA, you know, Rozo's obviously there in the final. We talked about War Road kind of having their way. And, you know, Rozo's as small of a school as you're going to get. And uh, they're in the Class 2A like the boys are. 
these two teams played, they and War Road earlier in the year. It was a nine to nine to five War Road win back on Jan seven, and then on February third, it was a nine six win for Rozo. Uh, so what would happen if those two teams were in the eight single or double A? Wouldn't that be interesting to talk about? First, first one to ten wins. Those are two of the yeah. best offensive teams that you've got For up in this sure. area. Yeah. For sure. I've seen that Rozo team play several times. Uh, well, Warro too, obviously, from state tournament appearances. But the Rozo team, um, they came down here. So the Moorhead hockey program here, I just real brief aside, is on the upswing. Uh, Ryan Kraft is the coach now, and, and things are getting better. This is going to be a good team within the next couple of years. They were much better this year. But Rosso came down here. I went to that game, and it was like a power play for for 51 minutes. Pretty just, darn good, aren't Rosso, they? That top line, yeah, that top line for Rosso just controls the puck. They, they don't make any bad passes. Uh, it, there were some of these uh, no-look passes they were making to each other, and I thought, well, oh, you just don't see that very often at this level. I mean, it, just, it was amazing to watch. It was Despite the fact we got run in that game, it was it was fun to watch uh, how good Rosso, how good a top line in girls hockey can be. And uh, anyway, that aside, I do think uh, Rosso comes out. I know Brainerd went to the state championship last year and, and really gave Edina a run. Uh, they did graduate enough that I think this Rosso team is is going to come out of here this year. They they played twice this year against Brainerd and beat them three to two twice. So it's not going to be easy. Brainerd. Brainerd plays that that rugged there. northern style of game that we talk about, and it's going to cause it's going to plug things up a bit for Rozo. I just think the talent is just too yeah. much for Rozo. Brainerd Little Falls has played themselves a really strong schedule, and uh, they've uh, they're a been there done that type of team, and you can't turn your back on them. And you know Rozo scored 147 goals in the season, including sections, coming into this game, and I, and I think for them, this is tonight by the way at the Bemidji BCA Arena. I I think what it, what it comes down to is Rozo is so prolific and they can put the puck in the net with, you know, on an average of five and a half a game or whatever it is. You've got to match them with goals. You can grit them and grind them down, but they're going to score and they're going to get theirs. You've got to get yours too. I don't know if Brainerd Little Falls can do that tonight, but uh, I was, I, I, and, I, and I'm not, you know, belittling what this final would be. It would be good though to see if, if what, what a section eight, a or eight double a final would look like if it was war road Rozo. How much, how happened would that be? I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can you crazy? imagine? That's that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the uh, scorekeeper would get dizzy watching that game. But Well, you better, you better have, uh, you better bring some uh, gloves for your fingers because you're going to wear them out. You know, you're going to get the blister uh, uh, putting the scoreboard up there. So, well, Tim, we just worked our way through the entire uh, 16 sections uh, I'm working on my uh, credentialing with the State High School League, so hopefully that all works out, and I'll see you there next week at the uh, Girls' State Tournament. I'm looking really forward to covering that, and then uh, I'd like to jump up with you. I know you're a busy guy, and you got plenty going on uh, in your life, but uh, would love to have a uh, discussion with the breakdown master yourself when it comes to the boys' sections in the playoffs, and uh, looking forward to that coming up. We will definitely find some time. Whether I'm calling you from an arena or a hotel room where I am somewhere, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'd love to talk high school hockey. Be sure to check out American Family Insurance at AmFam.com. Find your local agent. Uh, they will take care of all of your insurance needs, and they've been great sponsors and partners with us throughout this entire podcast and high school hockey season. Coming up next, we're going to join John Churney now from the Herb Brooks Foundation. It's Miracle Month right now as this uh, Overtime Hockey podcast airs, and this is a star-studded program. And 
We have uh, the master of the miracles with the Herb Brooks Foundation, the executive director, John Cherney, joins us here, and there's a lot to talk about. And, you know, I like this little piece you have, and I'm just going to read into this for a second here. You know, it says the miracle on ice is one of the most stunning upsets in Olympic history. The underdog U.S. hockey team, made up of mostly college players, that's incredible, defeated the defending four-time gold medal winning Soviet Union team in the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. The Soviet squad, previously regarded as the finest in the world, fell to the youthful American team led by coach Herbrooks 4-3 before a frenzied crowd of 10,000 spectators. Two days later, the Americans defeated Finland 4-2 to clinch the Olympic gold. And I got to tell you, that game made me nervous. The Finland game. The Finnish game. Right, it How sure. often do you have the letdown? Well, yeah, but don't you have chills up and down your spine reading that right now? Yeah, I did, and I wanted to read it because it's on a really nice uh, promotional card piece you have here, and it does run chills up and down. And, and, you know, there's a couple of things that occur. It's the old, where were you exactly. when it occurred? Well, I was a 19-year-old student at the University of Maryland at the time, and I remember the when— Terrapin. Yes, and uh, very good basketball team this year, yeah. too. And for a change, but they do turn the ball over a little too much. And, <laughs> He's breaking it and, down. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was in college and at Maryland, and I might tell you that um, that game against the Soviet Union was an afternoon game, and it was not, and it was on radio. It was not on TV. It was on tape delay on ABC. And of course, at the, the headline of our doc, of, of our uh, promotional piece says, "Do you believe in miracles?" Which is the classic line by that, which really helped vault Al Michaels into the popular you know popular culture today in sports. And uh, but I, I remember the the thing about that game was they teased it to the point where I kept thinking during the day they may have won. There was no internet then. There was no social media, so you had to tune in to ABC that night to watch the game. And as the game unfolded, it was like. Holy mackerel, these guys, I think, won this game. And then lo and behold, they did. And then what's really interesting, a lot of people... So you didn't know the result. No, you di- no we didn't. I did. Yeah, I did not know. Do you want to know how I found out? I was a 13-year-old kid um, outside my buddy Pete Benson. We were both... Yeah, we, we, we shot pucks constantly in our driveways when we weren't playing at the park or whatever. And uh, the, if I remember correctly, it was February 22nd. That's what the, the day is. Yep. And um, our, our rinks closed on Valentine's Day, so we couldn't even go to the parks anymore because it, it warmed up a little bit more in that era. So we were just shooting. And um, I don't know how we heard of it, but it was on WCCO radio. Hmm. The result was given. And I think Pete's mom came out and said, hey, Team USA beat, beat the Soviets Soviet. four to three, and we both looked at each other like, and "What?" Crazy. Now keep in mind, we were twenty years removed from Squaw Valley, and it, and you know it's almost like you know we weren't born then, you know, at Pete and I, but we heard those stories, uh, but it didn't really connect. And so I remember looking at him, and I said, "Where are we watching it?" Because we knew it was on delay in the evening, and so okay, he came to my house or whatever, and 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 we watched that game. But even though you knew the score, it was really it was even probably worse to watch because you knew what was going to happen. So you're watching this game and you're feeling like they've got a shot. They did. And, and I'll tell you the other thing, you know, obviously the Eruzioni goal will live on to infamy the same way. Do you believe in miracles? But it's interesting because Rob McClanahan's on our board and we just were on a local TV station. Blake Bears. Yes. And they're doing a great job yeah. here too. And they're in that tough section six in town here too. With but, your boys, the Red Knights. Go ahead. Sorry. We, we divert. Well, my boys are the Trojans. Oh, actually. sorry. sorry. Yeah. Although, <laughs> all of them are your boys. Although, yeah, they're all my boys. I'm, I'm like Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, I'm friendly with everybody. But, um, 
But the uh, interesting thing about that game was not only did they win that game in a, you know stunning fashion, and to this day it's still considered one of the greatest upsets in all of sports history. The next two days later, they played Finland. And had they had not won that game, they wouldn't have even meddled the way that the format was and the point system were. In There's the, pressure. Yeah, so they and they were losing going into the third period. And Rob McClanahan, I, if I'm not mistaken, got the game, got the go-ahead goal in the third period against the Finland team. And so they they won gold. And here we are, forty go, approaching forty years later on February 22nd, and um, you know everybody is reliving the moment and celebrating and and paying tribute not only to the miracle team. But to the late great Herb Brooks, you know, if you watch all of the uh, the programming and the documentaries and everything that's been put together over the course of time uh, from that, you know, we can say to our kids today uh, what it was like growing up in that era, what the Cold War really felt like, which was real, which where there was legit fear of you know fallout shelter signs and all of that, and uh, of course we had the hostage situation. We had the whole election year, all of that stuff going on, and I I can't underscore. I don't think of a. I can't think of in my lifetime, a sporting event that had more of a a, a political, a sporting event right. and cultural impact than that. Yeah. I mean, in our lifetime, there's been others, obviously Jesse Owens and all those things. But can you think of one? No, I can't. And and you're exactly right. That was a huge moment. The gas lines were long. Interest rates were like 15, 18%. You referenced the Iran hostage situation. This was a very key point in time. And that was a very, that was, that was a rallying point for our country at that time. And uh, the other night when Dan Brooks and the guys were on Jim Rich's show, uh, Dan shared a story that uh, Walter Mondale was in the uh, winning locker room Uh, after the game against the Soviets and Jimmy Carter, the president at the time, called in uh, to the locker room Mm -hmm. and wanted to talk to Herb. And Herb spoke to him and said, yes, it's the greatest great thing that we did today. It's going to get even bigger over time. And it truly has. So there's another example of the kind of vision and innovation that Herb Brooks had. And of course, you know, he's on and I, I say this a lot. This is, he's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches. You think of guys like John Wooden. You think of Vince Lombardi. You mm. think of uh, Mike, uh, Coach K, Coach Krzyzewski, uh Scotty Bowman in hockey. I mean, these. But Herb is truly Sparky Anderson, Tommy Lasorda, they, Casey yeah. Stengel. I mean, we're now I mean, starting. Yeah. We're now starting. Yeah. To, but but when you really th- talk about the greatest and most impactful people in in whatever sport Herb Brooks is one of them and we've got the National Hockey Center in St. Cloud that's named after him the Herb Brooks rink in Lake Placid where the memorable 80 Olympics were and uh, and of course here in town there are numerous statues we have the original statue at the National Sports Center which is where the Herb Brooks Foundation is based uh, St. Cloud just did a dedication this past October, and then of course here in town at the XL Energy Center is the one that's in the back entrance to the the rink. So he is immortalized. Uh, he transcended sports with this moment, uh, as you were referencing earlier, uh, Pete, and uh, his legacy lives on. And you know, to a man, coaches that coach at that level typically don't like to make it about themselves. Um, it's usually bigger than that. And, you know, Herb Brooks isn't his, but coaches like Herb Brooks have the personalities that command that, and, and that just follows them naturally. This does not happen 
from what I believe, from my observations, and I don't know if any of the players have told you that, from Rob McClanahan down, this doesn't happen if he's not at the helm. Right, uh, for sure. I mean, he rallied the team. He put the team together. Uh, and even he, the political battles of putting the team together. Yeah, it was very right. Was very yeah. difficult. You, USA have the, you have USA yeah. hockey. You've got the Minnesota people. You know, at the time, hockey wasn't Pressure everywhere. It was, but yeah. you know, back then there was about two or three states that actually played hockey in our country. Minnesota, yeah, that was basically it. And so there, you had this rift among the New England players against the Minnesota players. I mean, John Harrington, he he's part of our group of people, and we had uh, Davy Christian was on the other day too. You know, you had all these Minnesota guys, and then you had the New England guys like Jack O'Callaghan and Jim, the great goalie Jim Craig and, and Aruzioni. So the, there, were, there was this infighting that was going on. And by the way, they spent about six months at the Roy Wilkins Arena training here in town before they broke camp and that infamous game at the Garden when they got waxed by the Soviets. Where, 10 to 3? Yeah, they got whacked. And, and then, you know, of course, it's, it's also been what, what's really helped uh, pass on to generations is the movie Miracle where Kurt Russell played Herb Brooks and did a remarkable really job. Really jammed the accent down. He, there he too, did. And he, yeah, great. he did. Although Dan Brooks, Herb's son, will tell anybody who'll listen that um, that Kurt did a tremendous job and Disney did a great job portraying what was going on at the time. But he said that Kurt played a little bit of an older Herb Brooks than Herb was when he oh, was sure. coaching yeah. at age forty three. Yeah, because you know Herb he was, was observing a, the older. Yes, of the exactly. Time. So, uh, but it was a wonderful rendition and a, a great way of for other generations. And, and you hear about it all the time. Lindsey Vaughn, before she won, uh, you know, in the Olympics in twenty eighteen, was was going reference her inner Herb Brooks and Amazing. the inner miracle. The women's hockey teams, a lot of times when they're on bus rides and the boys teams and youth teams are playing the movie Miracle to get jazzed up and pumped for their game. So that movie has really helped extend the life and times of not only the event, but but Herb Brooks. Well, as before well. we get into the weekend festivities and the uh, the month and the things leading up to the big event and the foundation, how it all ties in, you know, when you do think about the whole thing, you think about, you know, Minnesota hockey, uh, Massachusetts player East Coast, you know, the whole thing and how that came together. Think about Herb Brooks and what his contributions were, the players themselves, all the things that they did to make this happen. But the one word that really makes it all work is if you mention the word miracle in any context, you think of that immediately. And that was in the day where I think there's a lot of announcers these days that um, pre-can their big closing finishes. You know that came straight from the heart out of the gut. And um, Al Michaels... I think he should be on the Mount Rushmore of broadcasters. And he is. His football is phenomenal, and he did an incredible job in that game. But when you look at all this, how important is that phrase, and how much does it drive recognition in one word? Well, I, I think it really helps because, because think about it. It was 40 years ago. So in this day and age, it's what have you done for me lately? We live in in an age of recency, and particularly in our market here, you've got young athletes and entertainers, people such as Adam Thielen, who's very popular in in, in the marketplace. You have Jason Zucker, and these are young young athletes that are doing tremendous things in the community. Kyle Rudolph's another Mm -hmm. one. Recently retired Chad Greenway. Uh, Our friend and colleague Mark Parrish is involved in Mm -hmm. a, a number of events and charity, and he's got got a vodka brand and so forth that's out there. So the idea that you've got uh, a brand 
and a team of guys that are in their early 60s right now and their coach would be 83 or 84 years old. This movie helps us perpetuate the legacy and to keep it alive. It's incredible. And, you know, when you say the word Miracle on Ice or the 80 team, first image. Um, my first image is... Um, I, all I can think of is the USA jersey, the simple... I know. The USA jersey. Yeah. And the other thing I think of, and, and this was fantastic, in St. Paul earlier this month, St. Paul Johnson, coached by Moose Youngins, mm-hmm. played St. Paul Highland, and they wore... Uh, St. Paul Johnson wore USA jerseys, and I don't know how Moose did it, but he convinced St. Paul Highland to wear the CCCP well, jerseys. So yeah, yeah they, it's Moose. He but, can talk about it, right? So and they so they sort of the, in terms of That's uniforms, awesome. they reenacted oh, those. It is, is really that? tremendous. Well, so the image I think of is is the picture you have on your uh, promotional card here. It's the Sally where there's uh, three or four guys. Neil Broughton's just coming into the picture. One guy is like on top of another guy, arms up in the air. I can't tell who they are, but. That that's the image I have. But you mentioned the simplistic USA jerseys. You know when they started putting the flag in there and right. kind of right. – all I've yearned for as a fan is that exact jersey on every Olympic team. Can we just do that? Well, I think in, the, I mean? in the juniors they did play a, a game or two with, with that. Just I think do they did. Them all. And, and you're right, Pete. That is an iconic Legendary. picture. That picture that were, it was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and it's been it's been um, memorialized uh, forever. It's one of the all time classics. You know, I grew up in a home where we used to get Sports Illustrated in our house, and all of our friends used to come over, and we used to put all the editions in the box, you know, in boxes and save them. And it's always fun to look back at the covers. But the other thing that was always fun to do is look. Back in something that was called Faces in the Crowd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you would see names of yeah. people like Herschel Walker yeah. when they were like young kids mm-hmm. and the spectacular things that they did. And so, and, you know, and I remember, you know, we used to keep the covers of like Muhammad Ali or when he was Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the all time classic covers at Sports Illustrated. And that's the one that we have on some of our promotional pieces as well. It's collective and individual joy all in one. Which is wild. And then you get the vintage shot of Neil Broughton with the most gorgeous stride in hockey right there, uh, slinging his way, of course, like only he can. Neil just sort of goes to his own drummer, and but he's the man, and he shows up. It's just beautiful. Love it. So let's talk about the month. What's going on in the month now for the Herb Brooks Foundation? Well, you know, we're, we're always busy. This is high times for us. I mean, right now we, we have a number of uh, metro area clinics, uh, let's play, ho- you know, playing hockey clinics. We do them at several outdoor rinks throughout Minneapolis, and we also do it at the Phelan Gustafson rink in St. Paul. We're doing that. We've also helped build an outdoor rink at the Conway Rec Center in St. Paul, where us and the people from the Sauna Foundation built a rink, and Mm -hmm. it's flooded, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, The other thing that's going on is on Feb 22, the exact date of 40th anniversary, there's going to be a parade in downtown St. Paul at 1 o'clock going right down 5th Street from the St. Paul Hotel all the way down to the CHS field, and there'll be a... uh, there's a rink down there that used to be the old Wells Fargo rink at the uh, Winter Carnival is now mm-hmm. on the ball field there where the Saints play. And there's also the security and slide where kids can go, pe- and Beautiful. kids and adults like all of us can go down on a Surviving slide. Surviving members going to be there? Yeah. Uh, no, they're not. They're going to be actually all the, there's 19 out of the 20 are still alive. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Bob Suter, yeah. Ryan's father, passed on several years ago. Uh, they're all going to be, the guys are going to be in Las Vegas at a special event, but we're going to have a lot of Minnesota Olympians and a lot of the female Olympians are going to be here. Mm-hmm. Of course, the foundation will be marching uh, in, in the parade as well. There's going to be a tournament. Here's what's really cool, Pete. 
there's going to be like a little mini tournament of might U8 to maybe a little bit older kids too and they're all going to be donning the jerseys of the 12 nations that were represented in the Lake Placid Olympics awesome. and all the kids are going to be getting gold medals who march in the in the parade and there's going to be autograph signings and it's cool. just going to be just a great really, day really cool. to pay tribute to one of the greatest days ever it's called the greatest day celebration and parade and it'll be in downtown St. Paul on Saturday Feb 22 which is the exact 40th anniversary 1 p.m. 1 p.m. it'll get started. It'll be an afternoon of fun. It's going to be warming up. It's going to be perfect. Probably. We're hoping to wear our jerseys outside and not have to wear our coat. Odds are pretty good. I'm calling. So we're doing that, and then we'll have a bunch of spring clinics as well that we do at Parade Stadium. We were just involved with the U.S. Pond Hockey Tournaments. That was at Lake uh, Lake Nokomis last weekend. And then we had some exposure with Hockey Day Minnesota at Parade as well. And uh, this is a busy time for us. So uh, we're thrilled to encourage people to support us. And we're also encouraging people to go on our website or our social media. And we're asking people to donate $19.80 because here's the thing. All of the programs we provide for kids and our, our slogan is Growing the Game for Kids, we provide it at no charge to them. It's mm-hmm. fully funded, whether it's transportation, whether it's equipment, whether it's ice time. And lastly, something that we're doing that's really cool, I think, and a lot of others do too, uh, some of our, our sponsors like Dave Sports Shop and United Properties and our Jam Construction and Shields and, and Soda Stick Company. We've mm-hmm. got a lot of – and, of course, the Wild. I mean, I the you know, when we do things – it's in tandem with the Wild and with the National Sports Center. Alone. And what do they have? Well, the audience. What we're doing, is, yeah, they have an audience and they have this state of hockey, and we're part of that too. The other thing that's really important that we're doing now is we're trying to tie in education, and we're doing science of hockey field trips for elementary school kids to come mm-hmm. up to the National Sports Center, and they're learning about the science behind what is hockey. The science? Well, what we do is it's a it's a curriculum that talks about resistance. With the skates sure. and the blades and the puck handling, and we do it on a turf field, and then we put them on the ice. Amazing. We feed them lunch. We give them a T-shirt. I think next year we're going to give everybody gloves. Everybody needs gloves. Beautiful. And uh, so what we're really all about doing is, you know, growing the base of hockey. The yes. Found, the base. What Herb Brooks has been all about. And and we're trying to give kids a positive hockey experience while we're helping to teach them positive life lessons Mm -hmm. so you know that was really what herb's vision was all about he was an innovator this thing about the science of hockey really fits in well because herb was very innovative back in the day you know he he basically implemented a lot of that soviet style in that 1980 olympic team which we swear by to watch as a fan there's nothing better which is more fun it's it's, which is more it's all uh, skill it's so good so we're doing a lot of that right now so we encourage people we're asking people to make a small dot you know any any donation is fine so to my point uh you've got your great sponsors as you mentioned and partners uh but there's a way everybody can get involved in a really uh symbolic way uh this year it's super affordable to uh, uh help the herb brooks foundation move these programs forward which i think is outstanding you can donate 19 dollars and 80 cents one-time offering today Right? Any day, any Growing day. the game for kids. Yep, we're doing Today, it. tomorrow, whatever day you want. Any day Do you multiple want. days. That's right. You can go on our social media. Just look at Herb Brooks Foundation. It'll let's, take let's it right to this. a link. It'll take you to a link, and it makes it super easy. If you haven't done it already, if you have anything short of a conscience, would it make sense to donate 1980 on the 22nd of February? That would be perfect. I mean, that would, to me, would be an incredible push for people to do. Yeah. And we're going to be and we're going to be telling people I about I'm going to do that. I'll just mark it right now. Good. And the other speaking about the wild on February 25th is going to be 
Herb Brooks night at the Wild Game. And we're going to have a bunch of guys from the Miracle Team there. They'll be doing the Let's Play Hockey announcement. Excellent. There's a ticket package. There's a really cool hat people will get when they buy the tickets. So we encourage people to kind of follow us on social media. You'll see pictures of all the kids having fun on the ice and all the fun programs that we're doing. What's your Twitter handle? At Herb Brooks Foundation. Not tough. It's so and tough. Facebook is probably... Say, all, okay. just, just type in Herb Brooks and Foundation and you'll, you'll get right Herb to HerbBrooksFoundation.com is where you can find it. Yep, it's, well. it's so easy, and we've got we're cool photos and videos, and we're always looking for volunteers. If people want to help us out with coaching the kids, Beautiful. that's great, too. So and there's, there's always It's room. easy to navigate your website. You know what's going on, and it's easy to get a hold of the appropriate people uh, to, to get engaged with what you're suggesting. Is there um, anything else you'd like to add here? Well, the star-studded action. Well, uh, the first thing, Pete, I want to thank you for for the conversation. It's great. We love talking about what's going on, and it couldn't be more appropriate right now as we're approaching, you know, this monumental 40th anniversary and all the fun things that we're going to be doing. And we just want to share it with others. And let me just say that the guys who were on that team are some of the nicest guys you could ever meet. They're also wildly uh, successful in Mm -hmm. their own afterlives of players, and they are truly the epitome of what her was all about is molding good people uh, who work hard, who understand mm-hmm. accountability, who understand respect, who understand the value of teamwork. And this is what sports is all about. And it really helps you uh, as you get older and to become successful and uh, people who contribute to the benefit of our society. It gives you great skills. And uh, it's on full display with that 1980 uh, U.S. Olympic team. This was John Cherney. Herb Brooks Foundation. Check them out at uh, HerbBrooksFoundation.com. Follow them on social media. This is Miracle Month, and uh, we're having a blast with it. Don't forget that parade coming up on the 22nd, downtown St. Paul, 1 p.m. Plenty of other things you can follow along on the website, too, as well, and make sure you follow them on social media as John's team will keep you up to speed. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you, Pete. All the best. Thank you.